Well, it's uh, I think it's time for politicians to throw out their talking points. And they should have done that a while ago. But uh, we now have confirmation uh, by StatsCan, which just kind of showed up today of all days. It shows the gun and gangs. That's who's doing the killing in this country. And it has now hit a 10-year high of the 660 homicides across the country. So why then are we hearing a whole bunch of politicians talking about, you know, going after legal gun owners? Well, obviously, because that's the easy fix. And it's the the fix that I think a lot of people will buy into because it sounds great. Okay, ban handguns. Look, I don't like guns. I'll never have a gun. So it's not like I have any skin in the game. But I do know that gun owners in this country, 99% of them are good eggs and they do know what they're doing. And they're not the problem. They're not out on the streets killing other people. They're just not. And it will do nothing going after handguns and banning legal handguns. It does nothing to stop what is actually happening and rising, you know, raising the numbers steadily. And the, the report comes at a time when both the liberals and the conservatives are really jockeying for position on this particular issue because you've got Trudeau on one side pushing for a handgun ban and uh, bans on, on, uh, on rifles, automatic rifles. And then you've got Andrew Scheer moving more in the direction of tougher sentencing and bail conditions. Let's bring Tom Quiggin into this conversation. He's looked uh, into this particular area of guns and gangs, a former military intelligence officer, also an RCMP advisor and a court-appointed expert on jihadist terrorism in both the federal and criminal courts of Canada, and he joins me now. Tom, you know, StatsCan has come out today with a report that essentially tells most of us what we already knew. We have a guns and gangs problem in this in this country. Indeed. It's interesting. Given the uh, numbers that are there, and I mean, they're talking about significant increases, it's worth noting, actually, that the report actually does a disservice, I believe. In fact, the numbers that are talking about are actually much lower than we really should be concerned with. So just by example, in Toronto, uh, we're talking about an increase in the number of homicides. And right now, people are talking about 90 homicides. And I mean, don't be mistaken, that's serious. But Don't forget, last year, in 2017, there were a total of 392 shooting incidents in which 591 victims were hit. Those are the kind of numbers we're actually talking about with guns and gangs problems in Toronto, Ottawa, Vancouver, etc. And just let me say, this speaks very well of Toronto's paramedics and other frontline responders, that they can save that many lives of the people that are being shot in the street. But it, you know, speaks very poorly of the overall situation that uh, murder rates are up at their highest levels in years. A large part of it is due to gangs, and a large part of the gang problem is due to something we call de-policing. Right, which then, you know, begs the uh, the politically incorrect and the controversial uh, question of, you know, do we have to bring back carding and, and put units like Tavis into these communities? No one wants them, but how do we combat this if we don't have any intelligence gathering at all or dedicated resources to these particular areas? Yeah, it actually goes, you know, the the return of carding is actually important because it would provide police with the intelligence they need in order to make, you know, more more and better proactive policing moves. But I think it actually goes a lot deeper than that. The politicization of oversight agencies and the imposition of demands by politicians who are attempting to enforce sort of a social justice warrior ethos 
is impacting police services negatively and folks are dying because of it. So, for instance, one definition of de-policing is it's described as a law enforcement strategy in which police avoid accusations of racial profiling by ignoring crimes and other criminal activities committed by members of visible minorities. So police these days, and uh, a survey in Canada and the northern U.S. said about 70% of frontline police officers commit what they call de-policing, which is they say they will see something going on which may be criminal or it may be gang activity, whatever, but if a visible minority is involved or it's somebody who's in a different group than they are, they literally just drive on. So the process is now called to swerve and neglect, or sometimes it's called the FIDO principle, which translates uh, out roughly to like forget it and drive on. So it, it goes beyond just the carding problem. It goes on to the whole approach to policing. And what we've seen, of course, is people like mayors and police chiefs and uh, police boards are more interested in ensuring they are free from any claims of racism or a lack of political correctness. And they care to a certain degree a whole lot less about the number of people who are actually getting shot or killed or just plain frightened uh, by the huge increase of shootings in their neighborhoods. You know, as with most senior bureaucrats, they've gotten to a point where they're more interested in the processes than they are the outcomes, and folks are dying because of it. Right, and so then how do you combat it? Because so far all we've got is the Trudeau-John Tory approach, which is to ban handguns, which in this report, that's not the issue. Um, it, it's gangbangers. And then on the flip side, you've got the conservatives who are jockeying for their position, talking about tougher sentencing and bail conditions. The bottom line is this will be an election issue. Um, But I think a lot of people are willing to buy into these sound bites of political spin that do absolutely nothing. But sound good, you know, like they feel good, but they do nothing. That's exactly it. They're more interested in the process than they are the outcome. They're not really worried how many people die as long as they look like they're doing a good job and they can maintain their politically politically correct stances. So, I mean, the answer to the question is not... Uh, you know, to go after uh, legal gun owners who own handguns. That's not going to solve the problem. Uh, a little bit more border enforcement might help, given the number of guns pouring across the border. But at the end of the day, it's become clear in cities like Ottawa and Toronto, particularly, that gangbangers now just walk around with their guns all the time because they know they're not going to get stopped, they're not going to get carted. Uh, in the past, when they thought they could be carted or approached or something, they might be leery of carrying the guns. Uh, because they'd lose them. Now, they really don't care because they know they're going to get away with it. Now, here's another little thing they didn't talk about too much in that report, is the clearance rate, which is to say the number of murders that are being solved. Back in about 2013, I think the clearance rate was approaching 80%, I think around 78 or something like that. So roughly speaking, eight out of every 10 murders resulted in the arrest of the alleged assailant. Now, depending on the time period and uh, that sort of thing, the numbers are floating more around 40%, which is a nice way of saying six out of 10 people that commit a murder in the city of Toronto get away with it. So the fear of being caught carrying a gun is way down, Mm -hmm. and the fear of actually being caught for a murder is also dropping precipitously. So uh, those are the answers. I mean, we need proactive policing. We need police who are out there on the street going after folks regardless of skin color, race, or condition, or whatever. What is interesting, and I find this fascinating, there's a lot of folks 
in minority communities who are complaining about the violence on their street Mm -hmm. and they're saying, hey, where the heck are the police? Right. And when they're told, you know, oh, it's cardigan this and that, they say, we don't care. The people who complain about carding are special interest groups, not the communities themselves. So I think that's another thing is politicians actually need to listen to the people, not, the not to the people who have the voice in special interest groups. Yeah, I mean, activism has taken a real toll on this country in a whole bunch of areas. There's no question. But interestingly, you know, I talk to a lot of mothers who have lost kids to to uh, street crime and, and gang uh, violence. And, and, and the one common theme among these groups is the investment into the community. There's no question you can't just get a bunch of cops in there. You have to invest in these communities. You have to make them places where they have park space, they have community centers, they've got people who don't feel scared to walk around. And, and that just isn't happening. And it's not a, a, a one-time fix. It, it would take a real commitment, a long-term commitment to start investing in these communities. And no one seems to want to do that. Well, you know, fascinating you bring this business up of people feeling safe on the street, people feeling safe in their own communities. And you're right, park spaces are needed, play spaces are needed. There needs to be proactive policing. Uh, As someone who travels to Toronto about 15 to 20 times a year, and I've done this for about the last six years, I've noticed that I am becoming increasingly, and I'll say frightened, uh, to go out at night in parts of Toronto and including like Young Street. Five or six years ago, Mm -hmm. I used to love walking down Young Street at night. It was crazy and loud and full of music and lights and people and movement. And it was just good fun to wander up and down the street at the end of, you know, a long day of business stuff. Um, But now, I mean, given the proliferation of, you know, drug sites and the amount of sheer violence and the number of people on the street who are whacked on like marijuana or something like that, but we're talking fentanyl, And mess and stuff like this. It, I, as a you know six foot tall white, hundred and eighty pound male with a military and law enforcement sort of background. You know, I worked worked for uh, police forces for a while as a as an intelligence analyst. I mean, I'm uncomfortable walking down the streets, and that's my background. So I can just imagine, you know, a woman who's 21 years old who's five foot two and weighs 110 pounds, what does she feel like on the streets? Because I feel unsafe. Or a family. So if I feel unsafe, kid, i got to yeah. figure a lot of other folks are in the same boat. Right. And so, I mean, at the provincial level, we know that Ford is a willing partner. He'll do whatever because um, he doesn't care about the blowback. But without federal and municipal support, I, I don't see anything changing. Yeah, the, the actual weak points here are the mayor and the police board. If they are not on board, if they are not behind the police force, backing the police force up in doing proactive intelligence-led policing, then nothing else matters. The gun laws don't matter, the gun control doesn't matter, the border security doesn't matter. If the mayor and the police board aren't behind it, then the police chief isn't behind it, and if the police chief isn't behind it, then no one is. And I mean, it's clearly obvious in Toronto right now that Toronto's police chief you know, is strictly beholden to the mayor and to the police board and not to the actual practice of policing, proactive policing on the streets of Toronto. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's it's not going to end, I'm afraid, until we get another repeat like a Jane Kreba. Then it shocks us into action again, um, being reactive. We're never proactive. It's always it's going to take a child or someone getting killed before we see a change. Well, you know, we just had that. It's called the Danforth shooting. Yeah, well. And, you know, there we go. So, yeah, I think you're right. It's going to have to get a lot worse before it gets better. But until the police board and the mayor are no longer seized yeah. by the special interest groups and they no longer perceive themselves as having to be, you know, politically correct on every issue, then uh, the blood will continue to flow. And, you know, there we are.
Yeah, well, I'm not sure that politicians are now all about getting reelected. That's why we are seeing the cycles that we are. And uh, it's just really frustrating. Appreciate you joining us, Tom. Cheers. Thanks, Alex. That is Tom Quiggan. And I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.